Welcome to This Week in Video Games Episode 6. My name's Tom Kershaw and I hope you're doing well and you're having a good week. This is a podcast all about the world of video games. This week we'll get into first impressions of Anthem and my review of Metro Exodus. In the news this week we'll be discussing the Fortnite Festival in Norwich and the fallout of that with Epic, Apex Legends updates and loot, Google going to the GDC, and Bowser finally taking over the reins at Nintendo of America. So if you want to get involved in the show, email us on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, comments, video game stories. We're always interested in hearing from you. And we're also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. So search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in the conversation. Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're doing well, and this week the uh, cold has gone, the sun's come out and it's been about 18 degrees C here in London, which is unusual for this time of year, but long may it continue as spring is just around the corner and we say so long to winter, Uh, but thank you so much for taking the time to uh, download or stream this week in video games, Uh, I really do appreciate every listen that we get and uh, you taking the time out of your week to hang out with us and uh, talk about video games. With that said, let's get into what I've been playing this week. First up this week, we're going to talk about first impressions of Anthem. So Anthem was released on Friday the 22nd of February 2019 after a long and relatively drawn out release schedule of demos and early access through various kind of EA subscription services. Uh, Anthem's online multiplayer action RPG from Bioware, the creators of Mass Effect, and it's the latest in a line of looter shooter games where you take control of your freelancer, explore the vast landscape of an alien world and shoot enemies and level up through weapons and armour. So you take control of a freelancer in a fully customizable exosuit called a javelin. Each suit can be personalized to have unique weapons and superhuman abilities. So there's four types of javelin classes. You've got the ranger, which is kind of your all-rounder. You've got storm, which is a mage-style elemental javelin who can shoot down fire and ice abilities. You've got the interceptor, who's more kind of like a ninja, um, fast movement and looks at kind of melee abilities. Uh, And you've got your Colossus, this is your kind of heavy hitting tank of the group. Uh, So flying is one of the unique selling points of Anthem and it feels absolutely fantastic. Uh, You take to the skies, flying through ravines and waterfalls and underwater as well. It gives the game a sense of scale and freedom. There's a sense of verticality to the game, which isn't felt in other games in the genre. The world around you is a lush, living jungle full of creatures and enemies to shoot. So weapons in Anthem range from pistols, scout rifles, automatic weapons, shotguns and snipers. Combined with the weapons, each javelin has a number of abilities including rockets, grenades, shields and elemental attacks. Javelins have ultimate abilities also allowing them to attack and destroy groups of enemies and deal major damage to bosses. 
The central hub for players in the game is called Fort Tarsis. This is where you meet other NPCs, customise your javelin through the forge and pick up quests. You've got daily, weekly and monthly contracts to pick up as well as a freelancer. There's a large amount of customisation options in Anthem, allowing you to change armour pieces including your helmet, arms, body and legs. Colours, materials and different customisation features are available. As you move up through the ranks, these become more specialised as you develop a unique build for your javelin. Let's take a look at the story of Anthem. So Anthem is set on an unknown planet that contains advanced technological relics which can harness uh, an energy source called the Anthem of Creation. These relics can terraform the environment, mutate wildlife and the climate, teleport characters and summon creatures. Unstable artefacts can um, break down and create destructive and dangerous areas called cataclysms. The people of this unknown world have a limited knowledge of the relics, but believe they were created by a godlike race called the Shapers. They abandoned the planet thousands of years ago for an unknown reason, and the Anthem and Shapers are all worshipped by humanity. Centuries before the start of the game, the people of the planet were enslaved by ogre-like creatures called the Urgoth. A human named Tarsis used Shaper technology to create the powerful exosuits that allowed them to fight back, and these became known as javelins. Over the following centuries, General Tarsis and a Legion of Dawn became heroes by fighting back against the Urgoth. The game takes place in the region of Bastion, where most of the humans live inside a city called Fort Tarsis, protected by sentinels and the javelin pilots. Outside the city of Bastion is filled with dangerous creatures, outlaws and random disasters caused by unstable artefacts. Ten years before the start of the main campaign, a faction of humans called the Dominion stormed Bastion to attack the city of Freemark to steal a Shaper relic called the Cenotaph. The Dominion believed the Cenotaph could give them total control over the Anthem. In their attempts to use the Cenotaph, it resulted in an explosion that destroyed Freemark, leaving a cataclysm in its place known as the Heart of Rage. So, first impressions of Anthem then. So far with Anthem, there's definitely good points and not so good points. First off, with the good points, I'm enjoying the story, the characters, the world building Bioware have created an Anthem, the graphics and audio are fantastic. I'm playing on PC with headphones and the world is immersive and really draws me in. Flying is great fun and the scale of the world around you sometimes leaves you just looking around at the gorgeous scenes. Uh, the feeling of running ahead, jumping up and flying around the world feels great. As we mentioned before, the verticality of the game really gives you a sense of freedom. If you want to feel like Iron Man in a game, then this really scratches that itch. The game reminds me a lot of Pandora from Avatar with the rich, lush jungle that needs to be explored, teeming with animals and life. The combo elements of the game also feel great. Teaming up with your buds and nailing combos and damage on enemies feels absolutely fantastic. However, there are some not so good points as well. Uh, gameplay at the moment still feels a bit repetitive. Uh, you fly in, defeat a few waves of enemies and then fly out again. Uh, you could say this is the foundation of a looter shooter game, however the enemies just don't feel varied enough just yet. Also, I've been booted from the game more than a few times and unable to get back in for a few minutes. I'm playing after the day one patch, 
However, the infrastructure still feels a little bit flimsy. Although luckily I haven't encountered long load times like others have mentioned during the first week. So in terms of the audience reaction, uh, the initial reaction to Anthem has been mixed with the game's launch schedule having a negative impact on the reaction from players. The private demo was plagued with connection issues, however most of these were addressed in the open demo. Anthem was available to the general public on the 15th of February, but the game had some bugs including long load times, um, a brick wall in terms of gameplay with the tombs, leading to less favourable initial impressions by reviewers. Bioware did react well and fast to these issues in a huge day one patch, albeit six days after the game was made available to the public. However, this has led to some questioning whether the game was actually ready or not, or should Bioware have waited. This is a familiar story amongst the narrative of live service games with other companies falling foul of their initial release. Destiny had a similar release in 2014 and that was accused of having a thin story, an undercooked game um, and that was due to a complete rewrite in 2013. Overall I'm enjoying Anthem so far. Sure there's some improvements that could be made but the foundation for a great gaming experience is here. I'm approximately 8 hours into the game so far and there's enough here to keep me coming back. I've not yet reached the end game and I'm looking forward to developing some builds. As with all these service games, getting through the main campaign really is just the start. Developing relationships with the characters, um, the environments and developing your own build and unique play style is all important. Playing with your friends is also key too. More often than not, playing with your friends improves the experience and it will be interesting to see the tools and support that Bioware bring to help this shared experience. These games need time for a fair review, therefore we'll give it a few weeks before we uh, turn in our full review of Anthem. Bioware detail Anthem's first three months roadmap in a blog post and you can find out more on thisweekinvideogames.com. That details upcoming free play events, legendary missions and the first ever Cataclysm. So Anthem is out now for PC, PS4 and Xbox One. So last week we talked about first impressions of Metro Exodus. I had a bit more time to play through the game this week, so let's go into the review. So Metro Exodus is the third game in the Metro series from 4A Games, uh, based on the novels by Dmitry Glukowski. You play as Artyom trying to find survivors of the last war on the surface of a post-nuclear war Russia. Uh, together with his wife Anna and comrade soldiers aboard the Aurora, you travel across different parts of Russia encountering mutants, other crews of soldiers and survivors. Uh, whereas the previous instalments took place below the surface in the winding tunnels of the Metro, Exodus takes place above the ground on the surface, allowing you to experience the changing seasons and the day-night cycle. Your actions affect the game too, with different endings based on your choices you make throughout the game, which is a neat effect. The game is a first-person shooter survival stealth game. It has a focused narrative where you can see the world from Artyom's perspective. It's full of action set pieces, interesting characters and incredible world building. Survival is a big part of the game where you have to scavenge ammo, weapons and parts to stay alive. Resources are generally scarce, so don't waste what you pick up. 
The game includes a dynamic weather, day-night cycle, environments which change with the seasons as the story progresses. The game moves through winter, spring, summer and autumn in the different zones in the game. Although many of the missions are linear, there's also open world elements to the game. As you travel across Russia, you get to know your crew. You can hang out with the crew and listen to their stories or head out on missions. The graphics and audio are fantastic on console. I played on a PS4 with a headset the whole time and was fully immersed in the world. On the PC, graphics, however, are really pushing the boundaries. Go and check out Digital Foundries Analysis over on their website. It's really, really good. The audio brings you in with stealth elements as you hear soldiers and mutants as you creep around the buildings uh, and out in the world. So I'm new to the Metro series. Uh, for one reason or another, I missed the other entries in the series and I'm keen to go back and see what I missed. Uh, the single player focus was the refreshing element for me and the gameplay in places was fun. If stealth games are your thing, then I could definitely recommend this to you. Uh, building weapons and loadouts has a certain depth and the action set pieces are super fun and often breathtaking. At times though the game can be frustrating with ammo and materials being really rare out there in the world. I didn't find the UI very intuitive leading to losing a few hours of progress which dented my motivation to continue. Uh, the game can feel a little bit bleak at times as well and also if you progress through story missions then you can't go back. So make sure you explore all that you want before you progress. Overall though, I'm glad I picked up the game and I enjoyed the story. If stealth games are your thing, I fully recommend picking this one up. If not, then perhaps give this one a miss. Overall, we gave this a score of 80. So that's it for the Metro Exodus review. Let's go into the news. So first up in the news this week, we've got news of a Fortnite festival in Norwich in England. Uh, so there was a Fortnite themed event in Norwich which caused anger amongst parents for its poor organisation and lacklustre attractions. Parents hit out at the organisers of the Build Fortnite event of the year, demanding their money back. Tickets for the event cost £12 and up to £20 for unlimited access to attractions. Many people complained of long queues with estimated 2,500 people turning up for the event. The BBC reports Rini Greenwood and her husband Ed paid nearly £80 for their son and four friends to go and celebrate his birthday. Rini said they're really looking forward to it given they play online. They've done nothing apart from queue. I'm really angry and gutted for my son. Attractions included a cave experience, which was actually a truck trailer wrapped in camouflage, bumper cars, archery and a climbing wall. Perhaps the saving grace of the event was the fact you could actually play Fortnite. Unfortunately for the guests, you had to pay for this and queue again. Uh, refunds were available initially, however the Facebook page where people were doing so is no longer available. And the event itself was not endorsed by Epic Games, the parent company behind Fortnite. So the Fortnite festival that left parents and children wanting refunds is being sued by the Fortnite creators Epic Games for using the name and imagery without permission. The festival promoted as the Fortnite event of the year left many of their 2,500 guests angry 
long queues, underwhelming attractions and having to pay to play Fortnite. Epic Games has issued a claim against the organisers of the festival in London's High Court. Uh, the company behind the Fortnite festival, Exciting Events, has now been forced to cease trading, with Sean Lord from Exciting Events saying, these proceedings by Epic Games have a catastrophic impact on the company's ability to trade, which has forced Exciting Events Limited to cease all trading activities immediately, and the director of Exciting Events will now seek to limit the losses to third parties as far as possible. Exciting Events has since removed upcoming Fortnite events planned for Spalding and Newark from its website. Uh, unfortunate times there for Exciting Events. But next in the news, um, we've got more news of Fortnite as the Fortnite World Cup has been announced and $100 million in uh, 2019 prizes. So Epic Games really flexing their muscles in the uh, eSports department there. So Fortnite, they're setting out their stalls for 2019 with an announcement they're set to give away $100 million in prize money in 2019. Uh, so qualifiers are going to run from April the 13th to June the 16th and each week $1 million will be available for players. The top 100 solo players and top 50 duo teams will join the Fortnite World Cup Finals in New York City from July the 26th to the 28th with $30 million in prizes available during that World Cup Finals. Each player is guaranteed $50,000 and the eventual solo champion will get $3 million. Wow. So Fortnite's been feeling the heat recently with a, from a successful launch of Apex Legends. However, if this prize fund is anything to go by, then they've still got really, really deep pockets and they're looking to engage the Fortnite community in 2019. So talking of Apex Legends, we've got news out of Respawn as well. Respawn have updated the community on their immediate plans to fix some of the issues that have uh, come out since the Apex Legends launch. The game no doubt had a great launch, however now the community is settling in. Uh, Re Respawn want to build on their great start and keep that conversation going. Uh, in an update to the community posted on Apex Legends subreddit, Respawn outlined four key areas they wanted to improve. So first of all, they've got crashes. Uh, they want to improve the stability, performance and reliability of the servers. Uh, the first patch was out last week and another one was due and another one is due this week as well. Bug reports as well. They say be as thorough as possible when reporting bugs to them so they can replicate those bugs and they provided a template to do so, which is fantastic. Uh, Respawn also talked about bans as well, so over 16,000 players have already been banned from the game in their effort to remove cheaters um, and people ruining the other players' fun. Uh, a reporter player feature is coming soon. And finally as well, communication. Respawn plan more regular updates, uh, live stream and troubleshooting tips. So Apex Legends is growing fast with 25 million players playing the game in the first few weeks. And it's great to see the communication flowing both ways and Respawn planning regular updates to the community. Uh, Destiny, Warframe and Sea of Thieves have enjoyed uh, success from these developer updates. So I'm sure Respawn will do well in their short term plans. Uh, watch out for the Twitch Rivals event as well. 
There was one on February the 12th and February the 19th, and uh, with Apex Legends being such a fun game to watch, uh, I'm sure they're going to more. Um, I'm sure they're going to do more Twitch rivals again soon. So keep an eye out for that. Hopefully, we'll see a repeat performance from Dizzy, who on February the 12th had an unbelievable round, tore through the competition like a hot knife through butter. So if you haven't had a chance to check out Dizzy, go to Twitch. Uh, .tv forward slash dizzy to uh, check out his footage. Uh, so next up we've got a little bit more news on Apex Legends with uh, loot available on Twitch Prime. So Apex Legends are partnering with Twitch uh, to give away free Apex Legends themed loot. Uh, so you can get some free gifts including a free uh, legendary Omega Point Pathfinder skin and five Apex packs, um, which includes random cosmetic items. To get this free loot, you have to be a Twitch Prime subscriber, which means an Amazon Prime uh, subscriber, as Amazon own Twitch behind the scenes, and then link your EA and Twitch accounts. And so Respawn have detailed this in an update on Reddit, saying uh, the Twitch Prime rewards can only be granted to one account, uh, so make sure you're connecting the right one to your Twitch Prime account. Once you've connected an account and logged into the game it will automatically grant the rewards on that platform uh, and it will not be awarded to any other linked platform or account. So this is something that Twitch have done previously with other games such as Fortnite and Warframe and it really makes sense to everyone. Respawn they've got the hottest new game right now. Twitch is the biggest broadcaster out there and and can promote Twitch Prime and uh, the audience, well, they get their loot, so that's, uh, that's awesome for everyone. Okay, so next up in the news, uh, we're going to talk about Google, and they could be about to announce some of their gaming plans at the upcoming Game Developers Conference. Um, so Google's going to be at GDC this year, and they've teased some kind of reveal at the event. Uh, Google started sending out invites uh, to the press this week saying all will be revealed on March the 19th at 10am PT, which is 1pm ET. The software giant's been testing out their Project Stream in 2018 with Assassin's Creed Odyssey being playable through the Chrome browser. Uh, The testing finished in January and the company could be about to share their details on the testing. The Game Developers Conference is from March the 18th until the 22nd, 2019. We also understand that Microsoft could be about to announce Xbox Live coming to Switch and other mobile devices through their own streaming service. So we've got a few companies um, potentially looking to announce uh, streaming services. Um, In 2018, Google hired former Xbox and PlayStation executive Phil Harrison and they've been picking up game developers ever since. Um, It's not yet known if the streaming service will have some kind of physical element like a console or just be available through the browser. I wouldn't put it past Google to have some kind of cost-effective hardware, maybe like a Chromecast or something that you can plug into your TV to bring this kind of gaming experience to the masses. Uh, So it looks like 2019 could be the year where the big players and some new players in Google as well reveal their plans to the world and perhaps for one of the biggest shifts in the industry for some years. So we've got a lot to look forward to with the upcoming 
Game Developers Conference coming in March. Um, so uh, yeah, keep it locked on thisweekinvideogames.com for more news about GDC as that comes in. So next up we've got news of Red Dead Redemption 2 online updates, they're coming soon. Um, so we've got Rockstar updating Red Dead Redemption 2 online uh, to include some new weapons, uh, showdown modes, uh, free roam events and competitive fishing as well. There's also new clothing and emotes coming as well. In an update detailed on Rockstar's website they discuss the events and the cosmetics. Now you can read more about that on thisweekinvideogames.com uh, So the Fool's Gold Free Roam event is where players compete to control a goldy and uh, protective suit of gold armour. Uh, you battle out to take down the armour wearer earning points as you do and then you earn points by making kills as the Golden Cowboy. There's also competitive fishing coming in the shape of fishing challenges. Get equipped with the right rods and bait for the job, as well as little protection from trigger-happy fellow players, allowing you and your friends to battle it out and catch the most fish to win. And there's also three new showdown modes coming, where players compete to capture and deliver bags, steal loot from each other and survive. These events are called Up in Smoke, Spoils of War and Plunder. So new guns are coming too with a high capacity Evans repeater rifle and a double barreled long arm rare shotgun. Um, both weapons will be available via the Wheeler and Rawson catalogue and local gunsmiths. PlayStation 4 players are going to get early access to open target races where you compete in the open space and take out targets on horseback which sounds super fun. And the update is scheduled for February the 26th, 2019. So next we've got more news from Epic Game Store and another free game. So we've got Thimbleweed Park is now available for free to download uh, through the Epic Game Store. So the game was developed by Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick, uh, the creators of Day of the Tentacle, um, Maniac Mansion and Monkey Island and bring a flavour of retro from the 90s in this point and click adventure game. So we've got two FBI agents arrive in a small town and start to investigate a murder which leads to questioning a number of suspects to try and solve the case. Uh, Day of the Tentacle remains one of my favourite games of all time and having missed Thimbleweed Park the first time round I'm definitely looking forward to picking it up this time as it's completely free of charge. And this follows on from uh, Axiom Verge being free on the Epic Game Store recently. So Epic are really pulling out all the stops to, to get you to come over to their game store and away from Steam. Next up, we've got a great story out of Nintendo of America with uh, Reggie Phil's MA. He's retiring and Doug Bowser is now in the hot seat. That's right, Bowser is taking over Nintendo of America. So Reggie feels I'm a set to retire as um, president of uh, Nintendo of America. Um, Reggie's been at Nintendo since 2004 and has been one of the biggest personalities at Nintendo for 15 years. Um, and Reggie plans to step down on April the 15th. Um, Reggie took to the stage at Nintendo's 2004 press conference announcing to the world that my name is Reggie, I'm about kicking ass, taking names and we're about making games. 
He was known for his big personality and highlights include <laughs> My body is ready for the promotion of We Fit in 2007. So Reggie posted a farewell message on Nintendo of America's Twitter account saying thank you for your never-ending support and your passionate love of Nintendo. Uh, so taking over from Reggie will be Doug Bowser. That's right, <laughs> Doug Bowser. Uh, the current president of sales and marketing of uh, and Nintendo of America. And thank you, Reggie. You did such a great job representing Nintendo, and we wish you all the best f- for the future. He's certainly give us, given us a lot of exciting announcements and representing Nintendo uh, really well over the last 15 years and hasn't been afraid to have a good laugh at himself. So thank you, Reggie, for doing such a fantastic job. And Doug Bowser, we, uh, yeah, we welcome you. So that's it for the news this week. And talking of Nintendo there in the news, um, it provides a nice segue into the next feature, which is the Game Guild. So Super Mario 2 came out on Nintendo Switch Online in February 2019, and we wanted to celebrate that game. Uh, Super Mario 2 uh, holds a special place in my heart. It's a game I played when I was a kid. I remember going to Dixon's with my old man in the late 80s, um, picking up a NES combo pack with Super Mario Bros. Duck Hunt and a light gun. And when Super Mario Bros. 2 released, I remember picking it up, sitting in front of the old Panasonic CRT TV until I completed it. So with that in mind, and the fact it was released on Nintendo Switch Online in February, I put the poll out on Twitter for the first ever This Week in Video Games Game Guild. It's like a book club for games. We all choose a game together, play through what we can throughout the week, and then share our thoughts and our memories of the game. Uh, so to go with that, I thought it would be nice to go through a little bit of a history of Super Mario 2. Um, talking about the game, the development, and uh, the characters. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got on this week with Super Mario 2. So Super Mario Bros. 2 is the second game in the Super Mario series and was originally released on the NES um, on October the 9th, 1988. Uh, Japan already had their own Super Mario 2, otherwise as Super Mario Bros. Lost Levels. And Super Mario 2 didn't come to Japan until after Super Mario World on the SNES, making it Japan's fifth Super Mario release. Super Mario Bros. Lost Levels was deemed too difficult for Western audiences by Nintendo of America, which led Nintendo to remake Yumi Koji Doki Doki Panic into a Mario game, which is what we know as Super Mario Bros. 2. After its release, it became a huge hit and the game was eventually released in Japan. One of the main features that sets it apart from the previous Super Mario games is that you can select Mario, Luigi, Toad or Princess before each level. Each character has unique abilities which offer advantages and disadvantages. In terms of the story, Mario has a dream of a staircase leading to another world called Subcon. A mysterious voice asked Mario for help to defeat the evil Wart, a tyrant frog who's cursed Subcon and all its people. Mario wakes up and tells the whole gang, Luigi, Princess and Toad, and to Mario's surprise they all say they've had the same dream. 
They all decide to go on a picnic uh, where they discover a cave with a door. Upon entering that door, they're all transported to Subcon, turning their collective dreams into a reality. After they defeat War and free the people of Subcon, Mario suddenly wakes up back in his bed. This leaves Mario confused as to whether the events had been real or was it all just a dream. <laughs> uh, so Super Mario Bros. 2 is based on Yumi Koji Doki Doki Panic and therefore looks and behaves really differently to the original Super Mario Bros. game. In the first game, the player would jump on enemies. Um, however, in Super Mario Bros. 2, you can pick up vegetables out the ground, throw them at your enemies, um, or even pick up your enemies and throw them at other enemies to kill them. There's a few power-ups uh, that are similar to Super Mario Bros., including the mushroom and the star. Uh, one of the differences is you have a heart meter, which uh, you can collect floating hearts which replenish energy. So Super Mario 2 also doesn't have power-ups that change Mario into Super Mario, such as the Fire Flower or um, Soup Mario enabling to fly. These were seen in the original Super Mario Brothers, um, with the Fire Flower giving Mario the ability to shoot fireballs or the Super Leaf turning Mario into Raccoon Mario in Super Mario 3. So at the start of each level, you can choose a character from Mario, Luigi, Princess and Toad. Uh, there's seven worlds in the game. Uh, you've got the first six worlds, they've got three levels, and the seventh world has two levels. And at the end of each level, you have to fight a boss. So we've got four main characters in the game. So first of all, you've got Mario. He's got average stats, and he's, an, he's a good all-rounder for any situation. Uh, you've got Luigi. He's got a high jump, but he's a little bit weaker than Mario. Princess Toadstool, she's got a float jump but uh, is quite slow and isn't very powerful. Toad is the fastest and the strongest of the group, but he's got the worst jump. So let's talk about the development. Uh, so Super Mario Bros. 2 started out life as a prototype Mario-style platform game made by Kensuke Tanabe, uh, recently brought back in to develop Metroid Prime 4. Uh, the game focused on vertical levels and throwing items. However, the technical limitations of the NES didn't allow for a polished finished product, so more traditional Mario-like elements were added to the game, like horizontal scrolling. The Fuji television company asked Tanabe to develop the prototype with uh, Yume Kojo mascots in mind, and Yume Kojo Doki Doki Panic was born. In 1987, Nintendo of America saw the game and decided that the original Super Mario Bros. Lost Levels was going to be too hard for Western audiences. They then converted Yume Koji Doki Doki Panic into a Mario game and released that game in October 1988 under the name of Super Mario Bros. 2. So many elements of Super Mario Bros. 2 have been carried forward into other Mario games. Um, the ability to pick up and throw enemies was pioneered in this game and was carried forward to Super Mario Bros. 3, Super Mario World, um, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine and more. New Super Mario Bros. builds on ideas from the original prototype, including multiplayer elements allowing multiple characters to play on the same screen at the same time. Characters from Super Mario Bros. 2 have endured also with Birdo, Bobombs, Shy Guys making it into other Mario games. And this was the first game with Toad and Princess Toadstool as playable characters, and they've gone on to appear in other such Mario games like Super Mario Kart, 
Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, Super, Mar Super Princess Peach, and Super Smash Brothers. So Super Mario Bros. 2 sold over 10 million copies and was the third highest selling game at the time on the NES. Nintendo Power listed it as the 8th best game on the NES of all time. Uh, so Super Mario Bros. 2 is available to buy for various Nintendo systems including the NES Classic, Nintendo Switch Online and the Wii U Store. So I've been playing through Super Mario Bros. 2 and getting all nostalgic this week. Uh, I made it to the end of the second world this week and uh, I, yeah I'm, I must admit I, I thought I was better at this game. <laughs> I remember I completed it as a kid um, but yeah like not being able to save uh, when you go through the game I didn't expect that. Yeah and I, I must admit I did find it harder than I thought I was going to. Uh, I'm going to carry on trying to play the game this week, trying to get through all of the uh, seven levels and defeat War at the end of the game. Uh, it's been really good going back through the game and revisiting the old uh, areas, the old mechanics and uh, the old graphics as well. And it's a, I think it's a really nice incentive for Nintendo Switch Online customers. Um, you've got some really good games on there now, like the original Legend of Zelda, uh, we've got the original Super Mario Brothers, now Super Mario Brothers 2, uh, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, um, we've got Metroid on there, and of course um, we've got Tetris 99 as well. So there's a lot of good stuff on Nintendo Switch Online. So if you want to play through on the Game Guild, um, send me in an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. Let me know how you're getting on with Super Mario Brothers 2. And if you've got any ideas for future Game Guild games, uh, email me at podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. Always happy to hear from you. And uh, yeah, we'll continue playing through Super Mario Bros. 2 until we get to the end of the game. Right, so that's it for the Game Guild this week. Let's move on into the charts. And we've got a lot of movers and shakers in the charts this week. So... Uh, number 10, uh, down 5, from 5 to 10, we've got Call of Duty Black Ops 4, uh, and it will be interesting to see whether there's any movement on Call of Duty now that that update has been released this week on that one. Um, down 2, from 7 to 9, we've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is still holding on in there in the top 10. Uh, next in at number 8, down 5, from 3 to 8, we've got Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, next in at number 7, uh, down 1 from 6, we've got New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Next in at number 6, down 2 places from 4 to 6, we've got Resident Evil 2. And then at 5, we've got FIFA 19, which is down 3 places from number 2 to number 5. Um, in at number 4, we've got a new entry with Jump Force. Uh, this is something I haven't had a chance to have a play through uh, just yet, uh, due to the last uh, couple of weeks being so busy uh, with game releases um, and uh, the Anthem release and all that kind of thing. Next in at number 3, down 2 from, it was last week's number 1, it was Red Dead Redemption 2. That is down now at number 3. And then at number 2 we've got Metro Exodus, which we talked about uh, previously on the show with a review giving that one an 80. And then in at number one, new in at number one this week, we've got Far Cry New Dawn. 
so congratulations to uh, Ubisoft and the Far Cry crew for that one. So right, that's it for the charts this week. Let's have a look at what's coming up next week. And next week, oh my goodness, we have got a lot of games coming out. So deep breath everyone, let's talk about the games that we've got coming out. So let's take a look, first of all, coming out this week on February the 26th, we've got Dirt Rally 2, that's on PC, PS4 and Xbox. Uh, we've got the Lego Movie 2 video game, although I think that one's out only in the US. Uh, that's on PC, PS4, Xbox and Switch Digital. We've got Nier Automata a Game of the Yahara Edition, um, PC and PS4. We've got Rad Rogers Radical Edition, that's out on Switch. Uh, we've got Townsman uh, A Kingdom Rebuilt, that's out on PC. And we've got Trials Rising, that's out on PC, PS4, Xbox and Switch. So that's all on the 26th of February, so that's a busy 26th of February. Uh, so on the 27th we've got a single release, that's um, Tech Support Unknown Error, that's out on PC. Uh, and then on February the 28th we've got Ape Out, that's on PC and Switch. And on also on the 28th we've got Constructor Plus, that's out on PC, PS4 and the Xbox as well. So coming out on March the 1st we've got Dark Souls Trilogy, that's on PS4 and uh, Xbox. And also on March the 1st we've got the Dead or Alive, we've got Dead or Alive 6, that's on PC, PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, we've got the Lego Movie 2 video game that's out in the EU, uh, this time on PC, PS4, Xbox and Switch Digital. And finally on March the 1st we've got Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove, um, PC, PS4, Xbox and Switch as well. So wow, that is a lot of games. I thought a lot of games came out last week. Uh, looks like everyone's trying to get their games out before, maybe before the end of the financial year, I'm not sure, but that is a lot of games. Um, just out, just taking a scan through that list, um, Trials Rising, I've heard is pretty cool, uh, Near Automata, uh, I, I didn't play that, I didn't play that first time round, so I might be picking that one up. The Dark Souls Trilogy as well, that looks, that looks awesome as well, so we've got a lot of good stuff coming out this week. So that's it for this week in video games today. Uh, don't forget to get in touch about anything you've heard on the show. And if you like what you hear, subscribe and uh, leave us a nice review on iTunes. Uh, it really helps us get the word out about the podcast. Uh, so head on over to iTunes, uh, search for this week in video games, and a nice star rating and review would be very much appreciated. So this week coming up, I'm recording uh, an interview for um, this week in video games. Um, so keep your eyes on social media uh, for that announcement. We've got a very exciting announcement for an upcoming game and we're going to be interviewing the developers on that. So that is uh, definitely something to look forward to. And we're always looking for input on the show. Uh, so contact us on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or get in touch via Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Search This Week in Video Games everywhere and do get involved. I hope you've had a great week and we will get together again soon to chat about video games. Uh, but until then, I hope you have a great week and I'll speak to you soon.